What's up, Irish fans? Locked on Irish podcast, last locked on Irish of the decade, coming your way right now. I'm Greg Schaefer, your lead host. Hopefully everybody's having a great holiday season. This is it, last of the holidays. New Year's Eve is here, tomorrow's New Year's Day, and then it's back to... This is a weird time for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to fall. Because what do you do on Thursday and Friday? You got to go to work and, and nobody's still back from vacation. Everybody's mind's out of it. Everybody should just get like a two-week block outside of like gas stations and grocery stores. And even then, it should be like hour blocks of people working. And really, anybody who wants to work, just come on in. I don't know how the dynamics of all this would work, but we, got, we can all pitch in, give an hour to our local grocer, hour to the gas station so that we can all just be off and the world can still go round and round. So... <laughs> Wild idea. That's all we have here at Locked On Irish. I'm Greg Schaefer, your lead host. Make sure you're following us out there at Locked On Irish on Facebook, Locked On Irish on Twitter. Again, pumped to be with you guys. I'm flying solo on this one. Hopefully, here in the new year, we can get everybody synced up right. Uh, Mark Hissom, he is still down in, um, uh, actually coming home from Orlando today. Long family vacation due to stepson having a lacrosse tournament. Uh, Will Havanas, he's going to be hopping in here more often now. His kids' sports are slowing down a little bit and, and finding a little more time. So won't just me be carrying the torch. So if you hate me, well, you're going to be having the new other co-host jumping on in here, and uh, you can agree with them instead of me. All right? So big show today. Uh, we're going to touch on Coach Kelly's press conference from uh, Saturday, post-game press conference, Iowa State. Uh, some news with Tony Jones as well. Well, some rumors about Tony Jones, nothing confirmed, and then some news about Alohi Gilman. And we'll talk about Alohi Gilman and uh, where he might end up in the draft based on where he's ranked right now among safeties. And then uh, we'll get to um, teams of the teams of this decade for Notre Dame. I'm going to go over my top five teams of the decade for Notre Dame. And also, of course, it's bowl season. We got a bowl starting in 30 minutes, so I'm hoping to have this thing done uploaded be checking on my son at the same time make sure he doesn't fall off anything or pull anything over on his head and get this out by the time at least the first quarter is almost over so the power of not being live oh my so let's get started coach kelly's presser so proud of our football team uh, my staff and coaches uh you know 2019 will be one that um i'll always remember um for a group of guys that uh, just loved to play uh, the game. Uh, they had such a strong brotherhood. Uh, they did not listen to what the naysayers had to say about them, uh, the negative tone, the negative people out there. Uh, all they cared about was playing the game. It was clean. It was um, about um, competing, um, always looking to better themselves, um, even this week. You know, Notre Dame's not ready to play. Um, they use that as another form of motivation to show people wrong. Um, it, it, you just read this team wrong. And uh, it's just so satisfying that um, th this group has been rewarded with um, 11 wins because um, they have thought only about uh, their teammates and, and how they can work to get better each and every day. So uh, they overcame adversity. Uh, live the life lessons of it. Um, they're not perfect. They never pretended to be perfect they're in, and never wanted to be, uh, but always strive for excellence. So uh, I'll always remember this group as a special group. And that was the opening statement of Coach Kelly's postgame presser on Saturday. I, I agree. You know, it is a special group. Um, 
I, I do have them kind of ranked. I do. I'll admit it now. I'll kind of spoil my spoiler there earlier. Talked about the top five of this decade, and I have them in this in the top five. I'll let you know where later in the show. But you know, this group did overcome adversity because they could have easily packed it in after Michigan, after they kind of learned the fate of, okay, guys, I don't know if we're going to make a New Year's Six because of the l- ludicrous contract of ACC and just, just completely ridiculous. And then falling behind behind Virginia Tech, who found some talent and found a little heat toward the end of the year, and they could have easily just given up. And you know, looking at plays in that game, like Jafar Armstrong fumbling the ball and it get taken back to the house, it just a la 2011 South Florida, 2011 USC could have easily packed it in. You know, with Michigan being the week before and things being so rough, despite the lack of you know high level competition down the stretch. They really dug deep and outside of VT just knocked the competition off the field. Now Kelly goes on to be asked about, is this the most complete performance from his team this season? Most complete performance of your 11 wins, and if so, uh, how great is it that you got it to happen uh, the final game? Yeah, all three phases were outstanding today. I thought the, uh, the defensive performance, when you, when you hold a, an offense uh, that put 40 points on a team that's playing in the playoffs in Oklahoma to no touchdowns, um, you know, you can't hide from that. Uh, a team that is a prolific offense to not score a touchdown today, uh, they had plenty of time to prepare. Um, uh, the defense is without some really good players as well uh, and uh, just did an outstanding job today. I thought our special teams was, was, was outstanding. And then offensively, um, you know, we ran the ball effectively, um, play action pass, uh, spread the field around. And when you got playmakers like Chase Claypool, um, Tony Jones ran the ball effectively, Ian Book, um, it was a comprehensive um, uh, game plan, um, and all three phases shown shown themselves very well today. Yeah, I couldn't agree with Coach Kelly more there. It was just a complete performance, and you know, who knows how much water that holds as far as this team, what they put up against Oklahoma after what Oklahoma just did. Uh, really showed no signs of life on defense, giving up almost a, a quarter to a half of a season in one game to Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow is special. Um, the Big 12 struggling. But again, I go back to maybe, you know, the special teams was good. Uh, punting was a little bit, eh. Punting? Punting was a little, eh. Was fine at best. Um, but Door looked great kicking field goals. Our coverage was solid, um, but really the defense to me won the day against a team just season low in points, uh, second season low in passing by Purdy. We kept these athletic wide receivers in check, and it was that was really we could hang our hat on, and really what I talked about yesterday, what I was so happy with this win about. Now next here, I was really proud of these reporters in some respects to address some of the things like kind of the elephant in the room, just the self-awareness of this game. So I'm going to talk about just the team's level of excitement going into Saturday. I mean, this was a, a team that could have mailed it in, being disappointed, not going to the Orange Bowl. You got two guys sitting up there that could have skipped this game. Sure. Um, when did you know that your team was dialed in and, and was going to take the, the opportunity seriously? After the Virginia Tech game, I mean, we knew, we knew that the way they played against Virginia Tech after the Michigan game, uh, what the identity was of this group and who their character was and truly who they were as a football team, and that was the case each and every week. They didn't complain about uh, what they didn't have. They knew what they had, and that was they had each other and a chance to play another game together. It wasn't, 
we had our fan base complaining about where we're going. We were happy. We love Orlando. Every time we come back here, uh, we have a great experience. And our guys were never into anything but having another chance of playing. And so that happened at Virginia Tech, and it was the next week. I remember Chase being so excited at the Duke game. You know, we're playing. It was freezing cold. It's an 8 o'clock game. Uh, I think halfway through it, there was nobody there, right? And these guys are just excited like kids to play the game. And that's when you knew you had a special group of guys that just wanted to play the game. So it's interesting. He talks about the weather and, and environments that aren't necessarily hostile or big games and the guys being excited. To that, I would kind of like to follow up with, well, what happened at Michigan? Um, some insiders have told me, I'm not going to name any sources, but on and off the record, that uh, the team just looked cold and wet and didn't act like they didn't want to be there. Um, that that's concerning in a big game environment. Uh, however, you know, they easily could have packed it in. Uh, I do like what it says about this team that they got their asses whooped, uh, you know, just straight up got their asses handed to them and they didn't fold and they did seem excited. And it was a nice bold destination to go to Orlando. And, you know, if we'd have won this game, going back to what I take pride in, in this team right now is being able to shut down Purdy in this uh, you know crazy passing attack is if we're sitting here at 61 to 42, then no, I'm probably not real happy. Um, even if it's, I don't know, 56, 28, I'm probably not super excited, especially if it was competitive early. I just, you know, the way we shut down that passing attack like nobody else had before was uh, really telling to me and, and really gives me a lot of hope for the future as well as the culture that hopefully Kelly's breeded into these guys by being excited every week and not just sitting around licking your wounds when you get your ass handed to you, actually stepping up to the plate and finishing strong. Rose up on the left. Brian here. When you think about the, the totality of the season, getting to 11 wins, maybe more importantly, finishing with six victories in a row, how would you rate this year overall among the ones you've coached here? Well, you know, there's anytime you win 11 games, that's, that's an outstanding football season. Everybody measures it by, you know, there's only one team that can win a national championship. Um, I can measure it by uh, what our kids um, did at the end of the season, and that is they got back up, they went out and competed, and, uh, you know, overcame adversity. As a, as a football coach, um, you, you hope that they um, are able to take away uh, life's lessons, and all these kids that are sitting here and in that locker room are, are going to be able to take away what it's like to overcome adversity. And um, for a head football coach, if they can walk away with those lessons and 11 wins and over the last three years, 33 wins, that's a lot of success and a lot of life lessons. That's, that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. It's a great feeling knowing we had the 11 wins, regardless of who they came against. Um, you know, we can only tr control what's in front of us. We can only control who's on the schedule. Um, you know, it, it does suck we didn't get to display our talents against anything else at the end. You know, sitting there watching that uh, Florida-Virginia game last night, it was, very, it was painful. Um, because really, I don't think there's a team out there that we could have realistically played because we couldn't get in the playoff. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, you know, you look at the Camping World Bowl in and of itself. Oklahoma State wasn't going to make us feel better, even though I am very much, I'll, you know, I'll fall on that sword that I wanted Oklahoma State. I wanted to see Chuba Hubbard. I wanted to see a ranked team across the field. I also would have took, taken Texas. 
just that name brand would have done a little bit more in the public eye. Um, I would have also taken Kansas State. These are all teams that were in the running to be opposite of us. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Kansas State did have a win over Oklahoma. The only loss Oklahoma had until whew, whatever that was Saturday. Um, but do, do does those teams do anything for us? I mean, even though Texas, you get the name brand, but it's still going to be a seven and six team at the end of the day. The Big Twelve struggling right now. To my knowledge, I don't think a Big Twelve teams won a bowl game yet, and I'm not sure that they do. I think Utah beats Texas tonight. Um, so it, you know, outside of getting into the Orange Bowl, which didn't look possible at all. And playing Florida, I don't think there's a realistic opponent out there that was just going to give us that feeling that we that we all were looking for. Now, it's interesting. Kelly gets asked about the current bowl structure and situation, and here's his response. Over on the left. Coach, you talked about the fans being disappointed with this destination. How comfortable are you in the, in the current construct of the postseason of where Notre Dame is right now? I mean, this is an 11-win team now, and you're playing on December 28th. Yeah, I, I mean, th- those are – those are things that are out of our control. Um, all we try to do is the games that are in front of us, play those games. Um, you know, there are others that, that control those things. And, and as I told our guys, there are things that are out of, out of our control. And all we can control is how we prepare, how we play, and then others make those decisions. You know, how, how do you sit, you know, at 14, 15, 16 for five weeks in a row and win games by an average margin of 25, 26 points. We can't control those things, so just keep playing. And so it's similar to your question is we don't control those things, so we don't worry about those things. We just keep playing, and, um, you know, we love where we are as an independent, and we'll continue to uh, control the things that we can. Spoken like a true politician and stoic, if I might add. Yeah, you're – your lead host here is a practicing Stoic, a very, very much uh, uh, work in progress Stoic. However, uh, Kelly, with the control which you can control, and then uh, politic in there with the we love being independent. So, uh, you know, you know, to an extent though, I kind of poke a little fun at it, but it's it's you know his statement there, but it's true. We can only control what we can control. It's the teams in front of us. The ACC Orange Bowl thing was a disaster this year. Any other year, it probably makes sense. Let's be real. It was probably put in place. Who would have thought that the second best team in the ACC would, would be that? Would be, with all due respect to Virginia, you guys lost four games. You got absolutely drubbed in the ACC title game, and you had a loss to us. Uh I'm sorry, you know, you're a nice team. You gave Florida fits last night, and that's awesome. You know, they're, they're much more talented than you. Um, they were a lot deeper um, to a smaller degree. It kind of reminded me of us against Clemson last year. It's just, you know, they had some dudes. Virginia did. It's just Florida had more dudes. So, so let's talk about some dudes here. Let's talk about Tony Jones. What I'm hearing is Tony is going to go pro. Sounds like that, you know, he's ready to go. Kind of wanted to leave his mark was uh, his statement, quote unquote, there from uh, post game of the Iowa State Camping World Bowl, and I think he did. He had one of the better games of his career, very impactful, especially with the emphasis we had on the run. Um, you know, I don't think Tony goes drafted. I've knocked on Tony a lot on this show and in my other show. However, one thing you will get with Tony is Tony's going to do anything you ask him to do. He's the ultimate player. The ultimate football player. I sound like John Gruden now. This guy's a football player. But it's true. That guy will work his ass off every single day, and he's going to be whatever you want him to be. 
on the field. Is his speed there? No. But are guys like, uh, I don't know, David Montgomery, are they absolute burners? Mark Ingram, absolute burners? No, absolutely not. And, you know, the NFL's got around, um, they kind of embraced the idea of a multiple back system. And that's just kind of what the NFL is now. So if you have that change up back, um, you know, Tony's going to be ready. He's going to hop in there. If it's being third down guy, if it's catching a few balls out of the backfield, he will be there for you. I guarantee you with his athleticism and work ethic, this guy is going to be able to hang on at least a practice squad for a while. If not, be on a roster. And look at the Seahawks situation right now. They just had to sign Marshawn Lynch off the off the couch eating Skittles. I mean, you can't tell me there's not an opportunity out there for him. And coming back to college, if he feels like he's ready to go and he can polish his physical abilities in the offseason with an NFL-specific program and put his mind and time being the biggest thing toward that goal of making a roster, I, I, I don't see why he couldn't. Um, he came from the right system in high school. He obviously was in a great system in college. Um, he knows what work ethic is. And again, just that willingness to do whatever he needs to do to make a roster, I really feel that he can do it. Now, Lohi Gilman has announced he's going pro. Um, you know, we talked about that with uh, Brian Driscoll. And, you know, not really, even myself, he, actually Brian changed my mind about uh, Alohi because And, you know, Alohi, we appreciate all of you've done. I mean, I think it is, I can't, say enough how much we appreciated what he gave to this program transferring in from Navy, um, doing what he's done, having the impact he did, you know, he lacked a little bit in speed at times. However, you know, he was very impactful, started two years. I mean, what more could you ask from a transfer? We've had some transfers before that have, they've been nice, but I feel like Alohi really touched what we, our expectations were and really exceeded them. So the reason I wanted to touch on a little, go a little deeper into this, as I try to knock my mic out of the off the desk here, is when it was announced yesterday, it came through my Bleacher Report and via the source, and it mentioned that he's the tenth best safety. And since that has been his goal, it's been the constant narrative since he's come to Notre Dame. Is I left Navy because I want this opportunity to play in the pros. Said he was a tenth best safety going into this season, or going into this draft. And it kind of got me wondering, other guys that have been ranked 10th, um, where did they end up? What did they do? Now, without any crazy amount of extensive research, I just went back the last five years and I just used WalterFootball.com, which it's a little sketchy sometimes. Just it, Sometimes they're really right. There's a reason this website and database is so huge, and sometimes they're really wrong. See Shea Patterson, number one overall pick prior to last season. But, you know, that was a preseason prediction. So let's just get to it here. 2015 was Curtis, Curtis Drummond, ranked number 10. And I just did safeties, not free or strong. Uh, out of Michigan State, he went undrafted, but he did spend three seasons with the Texans. He's currently in the XFL. 2016, James Bradbury out of Samford, second-round pick of the Panthers. He's starting currently, so second-rounder there. Undrafted second round. 2017 was Monte Nicholson, Michigan State, fourth-rounder. Uh, he's with the Redskins now. He was the 15th safety taken in that draft. So 15th safety and we're only in round four. That's crazy. Um, so it's really going to come down to need. That's what it tells me about Alohi's draft position. Uh, he was a starter. Monte was. Um, now he's on the injured reserve. Uh, Kaiser White out of uh, West Virginia was also a fourth-round pick. He's currently with the Chargers. And then Jaquan Johnson with Miami. He's a sixth-round pick um, currently on the Bills. So being ranked 10th, the one thing I did learn is it's kind of projected your fourth to sixth round guy, which is what I kind of anticipated. 
Uh, again, work ethic, work ethic, work ethic, work ethic. Yeah, say that three times fast. I didn't think that was going to be that tough. However, um, yeah, I just feel like that is what is kind of the consistent theme here for both these guys. But Jones and Gilman, they both have a ton of work ethic. So, yeah, they absolutely can make a roster. In fact, Gilman will. Gilman will be on a roster. The one thing, though, it is a consistent theme with both of them. They have the work ethic, but where's the speed? There's a couple times against Clemson we've seen Gilman get out of position, not be able to recover. He can lay the wood. He can strip the ball. He's got a nose for the ball. He's always in the right spot. Very sure tackler. It's how they're going to utilize him. Now, for me, I'm a guy who didn't think Tranquil was going to be able to make it to the level he has. Now, he's not like an all-pro right now, but this guy's had the bigger impact than I thought. And a guy that just really, again, work ethic. I don't know if we're seeing a theme here. Maybe it's something Kelly's instilled in these guys. Maybe I'm just we're just cherry picking three names. But you know, Tranquil after the two ACLs, guys, some guys just are done after that. Has transformed himself into a, just an athletic freak, and now sitting on the Chargers roster is a really, really nice player. And I think Gilman can at least be what Tr Drew Tranquil is right now in the league. So as we close out this decade, who is the best? Notre Dame team of this decade. So as I asked their best team of this decade for the Fighting Irish, I'd love to know what you guys think. I really would. Uh, hit us up at Locked On Irish on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, and just let us know. We'd really love to know your guys' thoughts on this because my th I'm going to start with number five. I'm going to do a top five here. I think this year's team, number five. Um... I still don't know anything about this team, I feel like. I feel like they're a bunch of hard workers. Hey, there's that term again. I feel like it, they kind of folded a couple times. I mean, very clear against Michigan. And Georgia Georgia wasn't Clemson, wasn't LSU clearly, and wasn't Ohio State. Um, I'm not entirely sure they were Oklahoma. However, I feel like we could have beat Oklahoma. Um, this just was not a top-tier team, in my opinion. They they really nice team. We did a lot of things. We had a lot of surprises. JOK, Drew White, Jameer Jones stepping up when needed when Dalen Hayes and Julian Aquara goes down. And it's arguable that the defense never really lost a step. The corners weren't just getting torched out there. Um, I mean, you could really say that we weren't outskilled in any game. We just showed up to one super lazy and we just lost a heartbreaker in another one. I mean, that's what could be argued. Um, I still don't think Michigan's a better team than us, uh, not this year's version. I, I truly don't. Um, at number four, I got the 2017 team, and the reason this team's not higher, despite the talent that was on this team, is some insiders off the record just kind of told me that it, it, they were scared against Miami in that environment in 2017. The teammate came out, they were deer in the headlights, and they were scared. Now, as a super talented team, um, and then just kind of what we've seen down the stretch, those last three games, now that's not saying the LSU, not the bowl game. That was a great win. One of the better wins of Kelly's career. That was a really good LSU team. Probably better than the, ooh, I don't know. That Leonard Fournette LSU team was pretty good. Not extremely well coached at the time. That was toward the end of Les Miles' tenure there. However, that 2017 team had a ton of talent. Just down the stretch of the regular season, you just kind of seen them just kind of fading a little bit 
just not quite themselves as the season ticked on. The Miami disaster happened. We barely beat Navy at home. We lose to Stanford. We were up 21-17, and out of nowhere, we're down, what was it, 31 to, uh, 31-21 in the span of like two and a half minutes. Wimbush was a mess. Uh, Book was inconsistent. Um, they tried to drop him in at just weird times, you know, at the end of the first half against Miami and just weird times to try to throw Book in there. So I had uh, the 2017 team was absolutely my uh, number four just because, you know, any team that just shows up scared, just kind of like number five, and team that shows up lazy and not wanting to be there, I struggle. I, I struggle to rank you rank you any higher. I mean, I hate to say it, but despite both seasons having really tough losses to extremely talented, well, at least in 2017, extremely talented Georgia teams, I think the 2017 Georgia team knocks the doors off of the 2019 Georgia team. Um, that team was, that was a beast of a team in 17. Uh, here at number three, I got the 2015 team. I would have them over number two. I'll just say right now, well, I'll stop. I would have them, I would have them higher if it weren't for how the season ended. You can only compare based on what actually happened. And what actually happened is the team seemed like it was made of glass. It was like every other week we were losing a player. Was it not? I mean, going even into Ohio State, we lost Jerry Tillery that morning to curfew things, and then ugh, losing Jalen Smith the way we did during the Ohio State game. I mean, we were losing players all year. Drew Tranquil goes out with an ACL celebrating against Georgia Tech. Malik Zaire goes down. That team was literally held together with paper clips and bubble gum. And, you know, I, I think they could have beat the team at number two if it weren't for just how that season just played out. Um, and also, the defensive coordinator had a lot to do with it. We had, uh, you know, we'd been playing a monsoon against, against Clemson in Death Valley. And then we lost just on stupidity against Stanford. You know, unfortunately, Isaac Rochelle, he roughs the quarterback, and there it is. What was it, Jet Toner, the kicker? I think that was, it's for real his name. Jet Toner, the kicker, kicks a game winner against Stanford, and we should have been in the playoff. Oklahoma gets in that year. Their loss was to Texas. Oh, this is a rant for another day. Their loss was to Texas. We blew the doors off Texas, and all signs indicated it didn't matter if we beat Stanford or not. Oklahoma was getting in. That is extremely frustrating. Uh, number two, uh, I got the 2012 team. And, of course, number one, I got last year's team. And I'll tell you the difference. 2012 just lived by the, just lived on the seat of their pants all the time. All the time. I feel like you had some overperformers on that team. And you had some, you had some really good players. You had Theo Riddick, nice back. You had you have guys like Robbie Toma step up. But of course, Manti Teo. Um, you had Zeke Mata. You had Prince Shimbo. You had the the one two at quarterback even of uh, Golson and uh, Tommy Rees coming in and relief several times. I mean, just a total team effort. You had Tyler Eifert who was a freak in college. You know, injuries and ouchies has really made him struggle in the NFL to really piece together the career we all thought he could have, but. Despite all that talent, I think last year's team was just more talented overall. And whereas I feel like we just ran into a better team last year in Clemson, I think in 2012 we just played above our heads and it seemed like I know Bama was better, but it we didn't lose our fundamentals really. We just got beat by Clemson last year. Beat by a better team. Okay, call it a day. We were competitive for the first quarter. 
Julian Love goes down. We showed a big chink in our armor, that being our depth. In 2012, it was like we forgot to tackle. I mean, it just all fell apart. We couldn't do anything right. We couldn't field punts. We couldn't... I mean, we, I'm just having dream nightmares of Eddie Lacy spinning through my bedroom. I mean, we could not do anything right in that game. I, I mean, Zeke Mata, really sure tackler, all of a sudden he forgot how to tackle. Manti Teo the same way, just flat and just rolled off the field, where I feel like we were definitely competitive against Clemson, more so than even Bama. And they were just a better team. But overall, just what we had last year, I think takes the cake as our best team of the decade. Again, would love to hear from you guys. Uh, again, at Locked On Irish on the Twitter. Uh, as always, we're going to wrap up today's show with some bowl picks. So I'd love to hear who you guys got. I'd love to hear how your guys' uh, bowl pickums are going. I know mine is terrible. I'll report on that tomorrow. Uh, Virginia Tech, Kentucky. I got Kentucky in this one, even though, like I said, Virginia Tech got hot down the stretch. This is the one I'm interested in. Actually, me and my wife, we're going to go out tonight. We're staying in a motel at a uh, we're going to a few roaring 20s parties i guess that's a thing um and you know i'm interested in the sun bowl it's one of the oldest bowls second oldest bowl just kind of a tradition of mine personally i like to watch the sun bowl no matter who's in it florida state arizona state the matchup really intrigues me cam Akers is out norvell will be on the sideline but not coaching give me herm edwards give me herm edwards arizona state over the seminoles Kansas State and Navy, uh, I like Kansas State's defense, and I like the time to prepare. Despite the 10 wins for Navy and it being the triple option, I don't feel every time this Navy team played a team a little outside of their league, they got beat up on, whether it be us, whether it be Memphis. You know, a little bit of a step up really seemed to hurt this team. Give me Kansas State here. There is a game on CBS Sports Network. Uh, it's Georgia State and Wyoming. Georgia State did have the early season win against Tennessee and ten when Tennessee was playing like garbage. Give me Wyoming in this one. And then the nightcap taking us into 2020, Utah-Texas. I love Utah in this game. Utah's playing in the same scenario we were, 10, now they're 11-win team, and in a not a New Year's Six Bowl. So let's question the motivation all we want. Kyle Whittingham is extremely good in bowl games. Give me Utah. And does the Big 12 go over? this year in the bowl bowl games only time will tell big day tomorrow rose bowl uh can't wait for that one we'll preview some of that we'll keep talking some irish football keep talking some of this all decade stuff all decade team players games that stand out plays that stand out we'd love to hear from you guys remember locked on irish on twitter facebook spotify stitcher uh, itunes we're everywhere whatever app you are listening to uh, who us to me and us on <laughs> keep listening there i hope everybody has a tremendous new year's happy new year's to all can't wait to be back with you guys and bring you a show that's just better than ever in 2020 so until 2020 guys next decade let's do this thing go irish <laughs>